0: recovery daily podcast i'm your host rachel miller i'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic today's topic is continuous self-appraisal and so first of all welcome back from our seven day meditation challenge um i hope you enjoyed it i enjoyed doing it i enjoyed um I don't know that I've mentioned this before, but I used to write poetry, um, for many years in my life and, um, I never claimed to be good at it, but I, I did enjoy it. It was, a, uh, it was a way that I, I think, um, it was kind of like journaling for me, but, uh, it was a way that I, like, wrote down all my deep, dark feelings and everything. And um, and it worked for me. I started when I was in middle school, I think. And I wrote poetry. Oh, I'm, I mean, I, I wrote some when I was 30, even. So I wrote it for a really long time. And so doing the meditations was fun to just try to be a little poetic and, and stuff like that. So I enjoyed it. Um, But I am happy to be back to our regularly scheduled program Um, for many reasons. One is um, because I missed talking. I missed talking to you and sharing what's going on. Um, So I'm looking forward to sharing today. Um, I did get gain a little bit of an interest in playing the keyboard after listening to all that classical music so I asked my boyfriend if I could uh, borrow his keyboard so it's sitting beside me now and I just turn on like piano music and try to match what I hear. Um, I used to play the organ slightly with my with my Grammy when I was, younger. So um, anyway, kind of fun. But I am happy to be back to doing our regular episodes. So um, let's see, what did you miss? Well, my son came to town, my son and his girlfriend came to visit um, from Saturday through Thursday. And so my schedule went out the window and um, it uh, I definitely feel uh, the repercussions of that. So I'll talk about that. And that's, that's really what reminds me of this topic of continuous self-appraisal and, and self-searching. And so... Um, what I what I do frequently is compare my stroke recovery to my sobriety and and my um, sobriety program. And I've been able to draw parallels between the two. And I like to share about those It helps me and and I hope that it helps other people who are listening and maybe recovering from anything, really. I mean, I'm starting to feel like this whole recovery thing. It it applies if you're recovering from loss or, um, you know, alcoholism, from a stroke. Um, anyway, all I can do is share my experience and hope that you can um, get some some help from that. So... Uh, so in sobriety, continuous self appraisal is, um, is something that we do like after we go through, um, these different actions, like, uh, uh, really taking a look at what our role has been and how we have affected other people's lives in a negative way from our disease, um, the way we may have mistreated somebody or, you know, done anything that might be regretful. So um, we go through all of these different actions. And then once we get through it, and and we start feeling like I've talked about how going through this, this maintenance program and sobriety, is a way of cleaning out that dark place that I've talked about. And so, once that dark place is cleaned out, you know, we're never it's never perfect and we're always really upkeeping and that's what this is about. This continuous self-appraisal is is making sure that that we are treating other people respectfully, making sure that we um, we aren't reacting so much as practicing that pause that I talk about. So,, um, so, so this is what I'm going to be talking about and and how does this relate to stroke recovery? I really feel like when we're doing this self-appraisal, we're putting our recovery first. and that's 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 my, view of it and in sobriety. And so I think it applies to my stroke recovery. In that, you know, over the past week, I have not put my recovery first, I, you know, it's not because I couldn't, you know, with my son and his girlfriend here. It's not like I wasn't I didn't have total freedom to put my recovery first. I just plain old didn't, you know. I find myself getting in this mindset where I'm like, I want to be better. So I just do the things that I feel like I should be able to do. And guess what happens? I feel like shit for days, you know. Um, And that's what happened. I... It started out with a absolutely beautiful picnic that a friend of mine took me to, and we sat under this beautiful tree. It was so beautiful that that's one of the meditations that I did was just about that picnic, and um, and then afterwards we walked along the Potomac and and just talked and. And I knew, you all know from my shares that I shouldn't be doing that. But I wanted to do it. You know, I wanted to be okay. And I wanted to do it. And I know you're listening. Yes, I had to recover from that for at least two days. Um, I was feeling bad. And so don't feel bad, because I'm the one who chose to do that to, to chose to, to do the things I can't do. And and what I should have done, what I should have, would have, could have done, was um, leave it at at the picnic, sit under the tree, and have the picnic, and then and then go home. But I get so frustrated. It's not what I want to do. I want to be normal. I want to go have fun, and I want to do things, and and I suffer for it. Um, so anyway, that's where I'm at, and, um, and I love you, the person who took me. Thank you very much. I know you're listening. I love you. Um, so putting my sobriety, I mean, sorry, putting my stroke recovery first, and, um, and, and so that means, like, Putting it first so that later, like I just said, I'm not suffering. So, what can I do at this very moment so that I feel okay when I'm going to bed? Um, Because for me, it's a little bit of a delay. So, when I happen, so a good example is when I was on this picnic, um, my friend and I were sitting on a bench, and there was a cardinal that flew by. And I watched the cardinal fly by from one tree to another tree. And I said, oh, there's a cardinal. It's beautiful. And and my eyes uh, tracked it all the way to the other tree. Well, her and I kind of uh, acknowledged the fact that I was able to look at the bird go from one tree to the other. And what I didn't acknowledge um, was that a few minutes later, I had this, like, really terrible, like, I'm going to pass out feeling. It's really difficult to explain. It's not like when you don't eat and you feel like you're going to pass out. It's more like this dizzy, like, it's almost like my brain wants to go to sleep without me giving it permission kind of thing. Like, it's just about to fall out or something. It's, it's very difficult to explain. But that's what happened after while we were sitting there a little longer. And I didn't put two and two together until I got home later in the evening. And um, I haven't even articulated that to you that that happened. But um, you, meaning the person who gave, took me on the picnic. Anyway, um, so I have to be, so, I have to practice restraint constantly I have to do whatever today right I'm sorry to right this minute is not going to cause me pain later I have to do what today and the entire day is not going to cause me pain tomorrow and then uh, and then it just what I've learned from having gone back to work after having my stroke that if I continue to expose myself to things that cause my head to hurt, the longer I expose myself to it, the longer my head hurts. And so um, that's, that's kind of my reality that I'm, that I'm living in right now. And so um, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in a position, which I didn't do last week, Uh, to to not have to look back and say I I I could have done that better. I shouldn't have done that, and and that's very much just like uh, sobriety. Um, how we try to to continuously like clean our side of the street, make sure that we aren't playing a role in in damaging relationships and that kind of thing so some examples of how this works in sobriety we we call it having an emotional hangover um, when we do something the day before for example and then waking up sober the next day and having an emotional hangover being very regretful and Even if you, I mean, that's if you even remember what you did, you know? So here's some examples. Um, There was one time I got in an argument with my boyfriend because he wanted to go to sleep. Isn't that crazy? He wanted to go to sleep. He was tired, but I took that as he didn't want to spend time with me. That's how freaking insane I was back then. And, um, a normal human being, uh, should be able to go to sleep without having somebody yelling at them. Um, so that ended up, that argument ended up with me sleeping. Well, I don't remember anything but being mad at him. And then the next thing I knew it was morning and I woke up in my car in the driver's seat on the street outside of his apartment. I don't remember any of that. Um, That would be your example of an emotional hangover. (laughs) Um, Number two, uh, the the second one I have is uh, being at a neighbor's house. We had some awesome neighbors out in Charlestown, and I remember being at their house, and we were drinking, and I had a big-ass red glass of a glass of red wine in my hand and I was walking towards the the gentleman who lived there and I tripped and he was sitting on a beautiful like suede couch and I'll just let you imagine the rest of that um and you know what I didn't remember it the next day I didn't remember it until years later I think um you know, I, I probably owe him an apology. So these types of things are emotional hangovers, doing things that, um, that we're regretful for later. Um, so if I do today what is required to put my stroke recovery first, um, what's interesting is if I don't do what is required to put my stroke recovery first, I feel like I have a hangover. It's like, it's like God's little joke, uh, sick joke on me. Um, the, the feeling that I have in my head when I wake up in the morning feels just like a hangover, you know, like, and, and, and I didn't even get to enjoy the the destruction and the, what what it took to get there with the hangover the fun the drinking the fun it's like it's like remodeling your kitchen and you don't get to use the sledgehammer to knock down all the cabinets you just walk into the kitchen and and it's already destroyed you know um that's what it feels like so in sobriety we do this continuous inventory and um like I said, it's it's at the day's end. You can also do spot checks throughout the day. and there's also periodic house cleanings. So there's, uh, and I'll go into it a little bit more, but there's I know there's lots of self-help books that have you, look at your life like in different intervals i have a book called the self-love workbook which i really love i love workbooks i have uh since i was little (laughs) but um it's by uh shaina Alley, phd and it's, it's all about self-love, self-respect. It just has you, it asks you questions and you fill out and you get to know yourself a little better. I love that kind of thing. I also have a self-planner um, that I think my boyfriend gave me, but I could be wrong. Anyway, it's by a company called Best Self. And this thing has you look like you're, you're right. It's almost like a, just a regular old daily planner, but in it, um, is magic. It has you write down, um, your thoughts and, and so forth by the day, by the week, uh, monthly. And then you do a six month review of, of how your half of your year went. So it's, it teaches you how to build a habit. Um, so I've, I've heard, um, for many years, like if you want to build a habit, you have to do it, I think 12 times or something like that. Or that might be how many times you have to (laughs) feed a vegetable to your child before they actually eat it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't remember, but anyway, you get my point. Um, so, so the program, sobriety is, a, is similar. Um, so we do this at day. We just do it daily. Um, so I do it every night. Every single night. I have this little paragraph that I read. And it helps me be able to fall asleep at night. I, I don't get so spun up about what, um, you know, like, oh, I shouldn't have said said that, or I did that, or I don't remember what happened there. You know, I just do this, I read this paragraph, and it helps me just get my serenity back and be peaceful and let, let go what I need to let go, acknowledge, you know, anything I may have done that that I shouldn't have done, things that I, you know, it's not all bad. Are there things that I did that that I'm proud of that, hey, I should, you know, I should do that more often or something like that, and that happens. So, so this is what my nightly inventory is like uh, for sobriety. So first of all, I consider where I may have been resentful, s- selfish, dishonest or afraid today so what i have found honestly and that's what we're being here honest is that most of the time i can think of a time that i was afraid that day and i think that's really interesting um i i acknowledge it almost every night where have i been afraid today I have a lot of fear in my life. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's my self-talk. It's the stories that I create in my head. And so, um, I, there's nothing really security-wise, like physically, physical security that I need to be fearful of. It's just this emotional journey that my mind takes me on and it's daily so I think about that I think about what what was I afraid to do and and just even the littlest things was I afraid to pick up the phone and call my boss or you know was I afraid to um when my phone rang and my daughter called me and she said, hi, I have something to tell you. Was I afraid of what she was going to say? That happens a lot. That's why I say that. Um, and it never is. It's never anything that I should be afraid of. Um, but that's just kind of a natural reaction for me. So so uh, the, the next part is um, that it tells me. Not to keep anything to myself and to discuss it with another person. So when I have fears, um, when I feel like I've been selfish, if, if, you know, for a good example is my boyfriend was expecting a beautiful guitar to show up in the, in the mail today. And, uh, you're supposed to sign for it and, um, and he's been really anticipating this for, for quite some time, uh, quite some time, I think since October and I forgot that I needed to listen for the door today, this morning and I slept now, although I, I needed to sleep, um, Anyway, I felt really, really bad. So they dropped off the guitar, and they didn't require a signature, thankfully. But I... As soon as it happened, and I realized that the guitar came, and I was not awake to listen for the door, I immediately uh, discussed it with him and apologized and... You know, he was very, of course, like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's okay, and he wasn't um, upset about it or anything. But, but I would, if I had not brought it up, I would have taken that to bed with me tonight. You know, I would have obsessed about it. That's what I do. I obsess about things. So making sure that if there's anything that's on my mind. To talk about it with another person, because if I don't, it just gets it just gets heavier and heavier, and gets stuck right in my dark place. So consider where I owe an apology and become willing to make it. Um, that willingness is the most challenging part. Um, especially, I have found that the longer that the time passes from. When the thing was that that you did or you said, uh, the longer that the time passes, the, um, the harder it is to become willing to, to make uh, an apology. So um, my paragraph at night also reminds me to be kind and loving to all people. That's how it says it, quote unquote, kind and loving to all people. That's hard. When I read that, I think of the people that I may have encountered throughout the day that I may not have been terribly kind and loving. Um, You know, stress gets in the way when you're, you may, you know, at work, you're all on the same team, you're all going towards the same goal, but it gets stressful and with stress, sometimes we aren't as kind and loving to each other so um so I I think about that when I read this and and think about who there it seems like there are several people people that I target more that I'm not kind and loving (laughs) so when I have the opportunity in the evenings to think about this it's it's almost like a little mental note. Hey, you know, you did that. Next time, don't do that to him or her. Um, And then I also am reminded to focus on being useful to others. So being focused outward instead of inward. And then, uh, and finally, to remove worry, remorse, or morbid reflections. And that is something that I like to remind myself of before bed because I do tend to go to sleep thinking about scary stuff, sad stuff. And so this is my mental exercise of putting that stuff in my god box and just letting it go or or like I've said before, sticking it on my nightstand and it'll be there when I get up in the morning, and most likely in the morning, uh, those types of things with the morning sun. I don't. I'm not really thinking about that sad stuff anymore. So, so that's my that's my nightly inventory for sobriety. And after having read this little paragraph before bed every night. For several years, it's becoming so much easier to practice that self restraint and to avoid acting um, in a reaction. Um, just like those people that I may not be kind and loving to one day, I am reminded of it at night. You know, I, it's something I can't avoid. I am making myself accountable for people that I, uh, for, for not being nice to people. And I can't ignore it because I read this paragraph every night, Rachel, you were not nice. And so, um, and some people are sicker than others. You know, some people have to read it every night and that's me. Um, I have to be reminded every day, were you kind and loving to everybody? Um, because I don't know, I'm a bitch sometimes and um, this helps me not be so much of a bitch all the time, Um, and I consider myself a pauser in training, that pause that I'm talking about all the time. I'm always learning, um, training myself to do that pause and, and stop reacting all the time and stop thinking that My voice has to be heard all the time. If I'm in a conversation with people, I've talked about this before, too, like sitting at the table with my my mom and my boyfriend's mom and them having a a conversation and me just waiting to chime in like the conversation is going to be that much better. If I say something, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to chime in. The conversation maybe is going to be even more lovely if I just keep my mouth shut. So this reminds me, the pausing reminds me that um, if I wait, if I just wait when I think I'm going to say something or do something, just wait because life is going to happen without me butting in. And I bet it's going to go pretty well without me butting in. So, I'm trying to be a little more of an observer. And I think that there's a lot of people who who probably are the opposite, who who don't butt in or or don't say something, don't interject or add their voice. So, this is just my experience, you know, that that I need to be more of an observer sometimes. So, again, what does this all have to do with my stroke recovery? Um, I was reminded today in my morning sobriety meeting that pain is the touchstone of all progress. And so sobriety has been this emotional journey for me. The pain was in my heart and in my mind. It was all that experience and stuff that I have stuffed down in my dark place that was the pain and and I don't I don't feel that pain anymore I really don't um I I carried that pain my whole freaking life and I don't feel it anymore I don't let myself go down in there in that you know I have like a An imprint of what that pain left. And if I go down in there and look at that imprint, I can feel it again like that. I can go grab a drink and I can probably end up drinking myself to death within a year. If I turn around and look at that imprint that all that pain left on me. But I don't have to do that because I have this program for living. And so today I have a whole new understanding of pain. And with this stroke recovery, this pain, while still being between my ears, it's physical. And it feels like some days it feels like it's sucking the life out of me. It really does. I, I woke up after my first nap today because I slept all freaking day. And I had a phone call from one of my employees. And I thought, I just got tears in my eyes and a lump in my throat just looking at the phone and seeing that she called. Because at that very minute, I needed somebody and that's what i'm that's what i'm going through right now is that i just can't get enough of people right now it's this is not anything i've ever experienced in my life i just can't get enough of people reaching out to me and i've i've had people say well i wish there's something i could do and i've realized over the past like 3 days there is something you can call me or come visit me. That's what I need. That's exactly what I need. Um, and it is difficult for me to to have visitors because it requires a lot of stimulation for my eyes looking at people. That sounds so just pitiful, but it but it does. And so, but I can have visitors in short spurts. That's what I think. Um, anyway, I, I feel like, I feel like a firefly in a glass jar right now. That's what I feel like. Just being stuck inside these walls, you know, I've just been, before I started this podcast, I was thinking about the zoo And I was like, that's what I feel like. I feel like a zoo animal, you know, (laughs) where it's just not natural for me to be inside, stuck inside this habitat constantly. Um, But for the podcast to serve its purpose, I need to continue to talk about hope and seeking joy and it is by this constant self appraisal where I look back you know each day I look at my schedule that's plastered on my whiteboard in my room and um and I have it staring me in the face every day that this is what you have to do today this is what you have to do And again, I'm not beating myself up if I'm not, you know, minute by minute, hour by hour, but this is a guide for living for me right now so that I can get my basic needs met um, so that I can make sure that I'm I'm putting recovery first. And so my self-appraisal what it looks like today for stroke recovery is am I am I suiting up and showing up? And quite literally, after I finish my sobriety meeting every morning, it's from 7 to 8 a.m., I get up and I put my clothes on, you know, I'm not even leaving the house now other than to walk my dog's. And I'm still getting my ass up and putting my clothes on, putting something on that makes me feel active because that's all, you know, uh, act as if. It it reminds me of acting as if with the whole higher power thing that I've talked about. So um, another thing, uh, self-inventory, am I turning off my wanter? And doing the next right thing. It's not what I want to do. It's what I have to do. To keep walking towards recovery. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do therapy. I don't you know. uh, Sometimes I don't feel like eating. But I have to do it. Because I'm never going to get any better. If I don't do these things. The next right thing. So. Today, some of the things that I did to put, uh, sorry, my mind just went blank. Today, I'm sorry. Today, what I, that happens sometimes. Today, what I did uh, to focus on recovery was uh, I took a six-hour nap today. Well, they, it was two three-hour naps <laughs> um, because I needed it. And that's not what I wanted to do. You would think that I feel like anybody who's listening would be like, oh, six hour nap sounds amazing. Um, It's just when I guess when you do it every day, when you're you feel like you're not doing anything, it just feels kind of like here I go again, you know, I'm sleeping. But um it did feel good. Yeah, it felt good. I feel better than I did yesterday. So that's the point. But um, did I get up and eat? And I did. I got up and ate. That's why I split it into two naps because I had to eat. Um, Did I exercise? Did I do my vision therapy? You know, all those basic needs. And so it's, it's the tiny little ankle, ankle biters that get in the way of, of recovery progress. But, but I know um, from my experience in sobriety that if I remain present, if I suit up and show up and I remain willing, then it's the little things that nudge me and unlock my progress my ability to have hope, and my ability to seek joy. And when I woke up this morning, I was unhappy. I was depressed. I didn't want to do this anymore. And I went to my sobriety meeting, and there was a brave woman, one of my friends, who called in from another country and she is. It's not a safe country, and she's there, and she's working, and she's being brave, and and that's what I needed. It was that tiny little thing to get out of myself and and focus on somebody else for a minute, you know. And that's what I needed. And so um, that's where it's at. It's uh, that suiting up and showing up and, and being willing. So thank you for listening. So happy to be back, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.